You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. Hi, and welcome to the seventh episode of Crip Times. Today on Crip Times, we're joined by Gloria Swain, a multidisciplinary Black femme artist and activist, with your hosts and my friends, Yusuf and Christina. And hello, Gloria. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on our hello. podcast today. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome to Crip Times. It's a pleasure to have you here. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here in isolation. <laughs> I mean, really, there isn't a better place to be right now. In isolation together. <laughs> Collective isolation, yes. Um, I like that. Uh, it's... Uh, so yeah, it's so great to have you here, Gloria. Um, for our audience, could you maybe uh, give a little bit of an introduction as to who you are and what you do? Okay, uh, my name is Gloria C. Swain. Uh, I'm a Black feminist artist, activist, researcher, seniors rights, and mental health advocate uh, and disability writer. Uh, I work with installations, abstract geometric paintings, uh, performance art, and black and white photography. Uh, my art practice challenges systematic uh, oppression against black women and trans folks uh, to explore, connect, and bring awareness to how our past traumas of slavery and ongoing calling of violence impact black mental health. Wow. So basically, you're a brilliant human uh, creating work amongst a less than brilliant world. And given that we are in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, are you able to share uh, with us how your art making practice has been impacted by COVID-19 this Uh, this is probably going to be my my longest response because yes um first let me say that as an older black woman living with chronic illness illnesses and being part of a group who is at a higher risk for COVID-19 uh this pandemic brings to light and confirms for me personally how madness is produced by my own experiences of isolation exclusion poverty ageism and the ongoing impact of intergenerational trauma. Uh, Looking at how COVID-19 has impacted my art practice, um, I have to say not not a lot has changed within my work. Uh, I still create because creating art is part of my healing process. Um, It was never an issue uh, as far as like say isolation um, or creating work because of uh, isolation. I've always created work because of, um, I guess it's a healing process for me. It's a, a healing journey. So as far as the COVID uh, impact in my art practice, it's not a lot. Um, 
there's not a lot of changes. Uh, I think my biggest challenge is the fin is being hit financially because of um, council shows, uh, the lack of funding, uh, which means that I'm unable to purchase art supplies. So that impacts my mental health also because I use art as a way to deal with my depression. Uh, but I have sort of found, found ways to um, deal with it. So would you like for me to talk about the ways that I'm dealing with it? Certainly. Okay. Um, that would be amazing, so yes. In reference to not being able to uh, purchase art supplies because of the lack of funding, I recently put a call out on social media uh, and uh, I did receive like a huge response from certain organizations. I like to say Glad Day Bookstore, a Black Lives Matter Toronto, Trinity Square Video, and the Neon Center for Arts, and a few of my Instagram friends uh, delivered art supplies for me. So that's keeping me busy. Um, and all the ways that I'm dealing with it is uh, I'm, limiting, I'm limiting my uh, time on social media because of the anxiety and stress that I get from being on it so much. Uh, I'm looking at the violence against black bodies. I'm looking at how the pandemic is affecting people who look like me, my age, mainly black women who live in poverty. So, and for me, this is not new. This is something, I have six decades of dealing with these issues. So I had to step back for a while. Um, I've created like my own little art space in my bedroom. Uh, let's see, what have I done? I scheduled, I try to schedule time, self-care time, because it, I'm stuck here, so I don't have the option of going out. Um, I miss that freedom. So I've created a space in my room to create art. Um, and I, but I do have time to like do a lot of work that I didn't have time to do. Like I, uh, I don't like I'm documenting my artwork. I have over 80 paintings that I'm doing an inventory. Um, I try to stay connected with my grandchildren, but they don't like FaceTime, so that's the issue. <laughs> um, and I find myself, I go out every morning like at 5 a.m. just for a walk, just to get some air. I try to avoid the people because no one wears masks and they don't practice like this, the uh, social distancing. Mm -hmm. And I'm in that group that is high risk group for the, uh, for the, the virus. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Well, I think that's it. Yeah, I'm sure it must be, for, it, it, I mean, speaking from like us having a, a similar-ish experience, it is frustrating to be, you know, taking all the precautions to protect yourself and then see other people um, in your community not doing the same um, when it is a group effort. Um, yeah. But with all those things kind of being said, those difficulties um, that you're and, and changes that you're experiencing um, during the pandemic, what would or rather, is there anything um, that has changed or shifted in the world um, due to COVID that you would like to see continue after it? Oh, I see some of the community members are like taking care of each other. 
which is um, I like that. I hopefully hopefully this is not a one time thing. Um, so this might take me into the art spaces <laughs> where everyone's talking. Mm -hmm. All the art uh, places are uh, uh, talking about. Uh, they're su showing support for Black Lives Matter. They show support for people who are affected by the virus. Um, I just hope that continues. I hope it's not a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's, it's, still, it's still a struggle. I see like, I, I'm doing okay. And I see like so many people, especially uh, older people, people with disabilities, I see them struggling. And that's another reason I had to step back from social media because mm -hmm. uh, uh, Mm -hmm. It's like you see people in pain and you can't do anything. So it affects your mental health. So I have to step back. So. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned quite a few times in this about community. How are you finding that you're building community and maintaining community um, if you are reducing your time on I've never media. really had a community. <laughs> it's like I've known in different communities, but I've never really been a part of uh, communities wherein we uh, come together. And I don't, for me to get that support, uh, it's not there. It has a mm -hmm. lot to do with age also. Most of the people that I grew up with, I did things with, they're no longer around or they just stepped out, they just fell off to the earth. So I'm so used to doing uh, things on my own and being by myself. So I don't, there's mm -hmm. not a, a big change for me. And you just mentioned uh, doing a lot of things on your own. And I wanted to talk about how that has informed uh, you as a working artist. And you've been a working artist in Toronto and across Canada for many years. Um, I was wondering if you can, <laughs> yeah, it, I was wondering if maybe you could speak to some of the barriers that you faced in the art sector in Canada, uh, specifically relating to your identity as a uh, older black female mad artist who is unapologetically uh, making art about your, your life and your experience. Okay, um, let me see. Okay, um, I'm pretty much known in Toronto, most of the uh, art spaces, uh, but there are still spaces where I am not welcome. Uh, there are still spaces where I'm dismissed as an artist because of who I am and what I am. And um, let me just say there are like several sp spaces, I've, I don't call any names, but I for like years, like I've been like doing proposals, I've been in, they know, they know my work. Um, and then I see on social media where they're supporting uh, Black Lives Matter, violence against Black bodies. They, and these are the spaces that don't have black employees. They have maybe one or two black artists uh, uh, once a year. So, and it's, it's like mm -hmm. a joke. So it's, I'm just, that's, a, that's one thing that I hope continues. I'm hoping it's not like just something to get the media off their backs. I hope this is, they're serious about improving 
because there's a lot of improvement that needs to be done. But as far as my presence, I don't really see myself in any of these art spaces. Like I said, I've uh, tried to get in so many times. It's like at some point, you got to just say, that's it, I'm done. Um, <clears throat> even with the funding, after four years of gr submitting grant uh, um, applications, last year was the first time I ever got a grant. Um, so it's like, it was like pulling teeth. It's like I've been doing this work for so long and I just still don't, I'm not uh, a knowledge. I'm not uh, uh, relevant in the art world. So um, it's just like uh, most of, I think the rejection is based on how I look and uh, most certainly the work that I do. Um, it's just a wake up call for me, put it that way. It's a wake up call. It's like, I'm tired, but I'm still going to create my art. But I like, I've always created my art for me. And it's, it's awesome to have people like acknowledge it and uh, appreciate it. But I don't do art just to show people because it's, it's, uh, you get disappointed. Um, and there's also the name calling and the stereotypical bossy difficult to work with, angry black woman, rather mm -hmm. than saying, oh, she's passionate about her work. Um, let me just say, I don't know if I can say this word, but there's a lot of fuckery happening in Toronto in these art spaces. I'm tired of it, so, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, with like all of that and like, you know, the, the tiredness that comes with those experiences coupled with, you know, your existence as an uh, incredibly talented artist and person with a lot of life experience, how have those things shaped what is now your curatorial practice? Like I said, I do art, I do my work for me. It's like, it's, I, it's like I'm creating my own legacy. Uh, so when I'm gone, my art's still going to be here. So it's like I don't conform to what a lot of these mainstream art spaces expect from an older Black woman. As an abstract artist, I've always been asked, do you do Black art? My response is, I'm Black, I'm an artist, this is my art, this is Black art. So I don't fit in any of these little boxes. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I mean, it provides it provides a, some really deep insight into the work that you do, certainly. Mm -hmm. um, but per perhaps to rephrase the question, what is the difference in your practice as a curator versus an artist when you're curating work um, by other artists? What are you looking for? Do you look for something that more sort of mirrors yourself or are you looking for um experiences that or are you looking for something else entirely uh because i am an older artist and there's not a lot of older black women artists in toronto that i've met so i basically just look at it in a generational art uh, frame frame of mind so i look for i, I try to find mm -hmm. artists who who may be traveling the same journey that I've traveled, but may not have reached, uh, uh, haven't had the same experience that I have. 
because each of everyone has a story mm -hmm. and you can always link something together to like create a show. So I try to find artists um, who I guess uh, are willing to work with my vision and who have a vision similar to that, that we can like mm -hmm. put together and collaborate. And then to borrow from your language, which I think sums up a lot of things very beautifully, um, how does your curatorial practice reject the fuckery that exists in the Toronto? Oh, I just uh, do what I want. I just do what I want to do. It's like uh, I I have a vision and I go for it. Amazing. Um, and then as someone who uh, was able to be an audience member and be a community member of other audience members of your curatorial debut back in uh, early 2020, um, Hidden, there was a really powerful written piece that you wrote uh, that was entitled Holding Space. Um, and that really spoke to artists who were not present at the exhibition uh, due to all the negative forces in our society, racism, ableism, sadism. And um, can you speak at first a little bit about uh, the choices that you made to include a written piece uh, to acknowledge Well, I think space. because uh, uh, as an artist with disabilities, uh, and a Black artist, a female artist, I'm always, I'm used to being excluded. I know that um, my work is not valued by a lot of uh, places and we are just so easily replaced. So what I want, the message I wanted to give is holding space meant that people with disabilities who are, that they're not, irreplaceable, that they're, they're, they're irreplaceable and that their work is important, that they matter and that holding space indicates that there's no judgment and it shows compassion and it supports what they're going through when people have a good difficult time. Um, and I want it to be like a, a healing process. Mm. Can you think maybe a little bit more about uh, the healing process uh, that's shown up in your uh, sorry, practice. What do you mean? Uh, when you spoke about how like holding space can be a healing process. And I was wondering if you could talk about maybe some other ways in which your art practice or curatorial practice um, uh, is healing. I think it's because it's uh, in inclusive. Because a lot of people the, going through uh, uh, trauma they need to feel like they have a place. They need to feel that they're included. They need to feel that they matter, that they're important, uh, that what they're going through is not overlooked. So for me, being included, uh, being surrounded by people who care about you, people who create spaces for you is healing. Mm -hmm. In other words, knowing that somebody cares about you is, part of, is good, but it's part of the healing process. Absolutely. Um, so this concept of holding space, is it different? Um, or rather, how is it different from um, taking or, you know, giving space? Like, what's the, yeah, how did, how does that sort of work okay, out? Okay. Uh, well, 
Well, for me, uh, uh, my, in my opinion, holding space allows someone to heal and feel relevant. Uh, wherein taking space is like mm-hmm. showing up and reclaiming space and place where you're normally not welcome, where you're normally not invited. It's like guerrilla art. You just go in and be seen and be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go back to, for me, a given space is about sharing space and making artists feel like they belong in that space. Uh, so anytime I do get space, I like to bring in artists who don't normally get space, who aren't normally included in different communities. Um, and I include that in my art practice um, because I think everyone uh, needs an opportunity to show the work, to be a part of the work. Those are all important things to make sure that the community, I guess, is fully immersed in, by having the community fully immersed in, in the work or the event of something, it takes, you know, it, it just widens and opens up so many more opportunities for everyone else by doing that. It, it, it invites different uh, community members into the space. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about the artist, mm-hmm. it's about the audience also. Yeah. I like to create spaces where people come in and they feel welcome. They feel like they belong there. So Mm -hmm. for me, that's what art is. That's why I like to have a piece where people can touch. Because when you go into a Mm -hmm. lot of these music, you can't touch or sign. Don't touch. Don't touch. And that's a really great thing that you just brought out the note art as uh, being a place to feel welcome and feel a belonging. Um, in addition to having tactile artwork, what are some other things that you brought into your art practice that you believe make people feel welcome and that they belong when they interact um, with your work? I think photographs. I think to see the art is, uh, uh, I don't like a lot of black and white photographs. Uh, I think to see the art is, uh, uh, in different uh, uh, emotions that says to the audience that, mm-hmm. okay, this person go- went through or is going through something and created this piece. And I hope that I hope my work empower other people to find creative outlets for what they're going through. Oh yes. And I like to uh, throw in a lot of uh, music to have people dance. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yes, I like that. I know when I uh, we had that the one group came for hidden, and I think they were from the Toronto mm-hmm. uh, uh, some school, but they enjoyed the art. But then I turned on the music and we just started to dance. Yeah, I can attest. I'm I'm not a I'm not a huge dancer myself. I like to say I have two left feet, but. Um, <laughs> When, when, whenever I've been in a room and, and you start, you know, dancing or putting on music, you have such joy in it. You kind of make it contagious for everyone else. Well, see, music to me is like art. It, uh, it's good for you. It, it's healing. I know I had posted something on Facebook about, uh, I talk about my uh, mental health a lot. And uh, I got a response mm-hmm. from this, another black woman saying that, when I talked about my mental health, she's like, well, you don't look like you say you feel because you're always dancing. And I was like, excuse me? 
I'm like, dancing is part of the healing for me. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to start talking about some hopefully healing questions. Um, and I think um, you mentioned earlier in this conversation um, that you are creating your own legacy by creating this artwork. Um, in a few words or feelings or emotions, like what do you believe to be the strongest and most powerful Gloria C. Swain legacy? How do you want your legacy to be remembered? I, I want my story to be remembered because my art is broken up into my history, my present, mm. and how I want to be remembered. So I think in my performances, I talk about uh, my ancestors That's uh, uh, and how their lives affect my life today, which has lived an intergenerational trauma. And I want people to look at the future. How do we um, make life better for the next generation? And like I said, I have like six decades of what's happening in the world today. So it's like I've been fighting this uh, mm-hmm. for six decades, and it's very, um, I guess, traumatizing, hurtful to see that this generation is experiencing the same thing that I experienced, which is the same thing that my parents mm-hmm. experienced. And I'm just hoping that my work brings all of these stories to light, and hopefully there can be like some type of solution, because we can't depend depend on the man at the top, the government to like do anything. It's up to the community, the uh, community members to like change the way th- things are. So I just hope my, my art makes ch- uh, uh, change, ch- makes changes. And I mean, I will say as someone who has worked with you as an artist and a curator and has been an audience member to your artwork, it's definitely, it has definitely changed me um, and change my perspective of kind of how I see the world and specifically see the art world. But also just for me, I feel like your work has been a catalyst for me to more um, thoroughly ground what I believe to be a true truth in myself of how I want to operate in the world. Um, so, I mean, thank you for your work. And it, it, it is so intentional. And I believe it does elicit the type of responses that you want it to elicit. Um, I was also wondering if you could speak a little bit about your dreams for a future. Um, In your dream, what does the landscape of the Canadian art sector look like? Okay, I got a good uh, response for that one. (laughs) In my dreams, I wrote, I don't dream about art, I create art. Uh, At three, every Mm. night I have insomnia, so that's my superpower. Um, But I do have a vision for the future of Canadian uh, art. Um, I would like to see older, black, female, Mad artists, artists with disabilities included as part of that landscape. Uh, we shouldn't have to fight for space. We shouldn't have, you know, the struggle to get into spaces. We should be 
proud to stand up and tell our stories when we're ready to tell them. Um, and I think uh, what I, mainstream art, mainstream uh, Canadian galleries only uh, not only seeking young artists but also old artists. Um, I'm hoping funding sources not will not only uh, uh, favor young artists but also equally fund other artists who look like me. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I'm hoping that the awards, like you can't, you don't see anyone over 40 receiving an art award because um, the application has a age cutoff. We need to get rid of the age cutoff. Yeah. Um, mm. And I'm hoping that art spaces uh, include intergenerational practice as part of art making. What I mean by that, the transferring and sharing of uh, general knowledge and skills invites different um, creatives into the space. And it brings in different um, community mm -hmm. members. Um, and I, I just noticed that mm -hmm. the art galleries and museums in the States are now opening up to older black artists. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping that Canada follows suit uh, and then my another thing that I'm looking at is artists who have uh, made a name for themselves in the industry, if they would just reach back and pull up other artists. We can't really just depend mm. on the art galleries funding uh, organizations like bring us in. It's up to us as established artists to bring in artists who aren't established yet. That's my future for, that's my thoughts for the future. A better art world, an inclusive art world, a non-judgmental <laughs> art world. I would love to be a part of that art mm. world. Take me with you, Thank please. You. Yes, you know, art world where we're looking at your art, not you. Oh, and another thing, a lot of these funded organizations, they have like the peers who uh, approve the art uh, app, uh, funding applications. So say if you're in a group or a community, you're going to like pull, you're going to fund your friend. So mm -hmm. I think I think that maybe these mm -hmm. art organizations need to find like maybe people who aren't within our community, maybe community members, let them go over to find an application. So you hear that Toronto art uh, uh, grant? <laughs> <laughs> they'll hear it, they'll, 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 they'll definitely hear it when the you episode comes so. out, hopefully. <laughs> No, but it's something that should be considered because a lot of yeah. uh, it took me four years to get one one uh, a grant. Um, and there are other mm -hmm. artists who have been applying for years, but because they're not known or they're not within a certain community or a group, and the, they're not going to be they're not going to get the funding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and I, you can't only fund emerging artists, as you're saying. You have to. I know. make it available for the wider community because those emerging yeah. artists even if they get those grants they're going to they're going to stop emerging at some point but they still it's need like support me, like i'm still considered an emer <laughs> when does it stop so yeah <laughs> when does it stop mm -hmm. when I, know, do I, I stop emerging <laughs> um so in this pandemic time that we're in there's a lot of monotony in the world and a lot of sadness and we really want to have these conversations um with our friends who we admire and respect and um, then we also do want to like celebrate them 
And so I wanted to ask you, what had brought you joy mm. recently? To be honest, I don't believe in joy. Because um, <laughs> I'm, I'm the type, I guess I'm the type that says the glass is half empty. Because I've been through, I've experienced things that were high, but all of a sudden just crumble uh, down. Um, but I have to say that in the last few years, I've been blessed as an artist. Um, but I've worked hard. Um, I shouldn't have to work hard, have worked that hard, but I did. Um, and I was fortunate to like, find like other black women to support me. Uh, it was a uh, Karen Carter from Band, a Black Artist Network. Um, Elise Vers Ferron from uh, Amanda Paris. So it's hard to find that support. And I'm that brought me joy to just be lifted up by other black women. Um, oh, I just uh, got my fifth grandchild. So that's 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 joy. Oh, congratulations! Uh, well, thank you. Granny got it going on, boy. But um, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm able to create art. Like I said, I have over eighty paintings. Uh, mm -hmm. Even with the isolation, like uh, uh, the COVID, this isolation and the social distancing is nothing new to me. I've always been alone. I've always found ways to create uh, when I'm alone. So great art brings me joy. I dance. I make I dance. I, I make dance videos. <laughs> so just uh, enjoy life. It's like, um, but I know sometimes mm -hmm. like when I'm feeling down, I take that time to like, let my body and my mind rest. And it, uh, a lot of people don't have that opportunity so for me I'm, I'm there are blessings so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. amazing and thank you for sharing that with us um so now i get to basically have you talk about how our audience can find you um so you can just I know you had a Patreon and an Instagram, uh, and you can maybe get an overview on how our audience can find you and what they will uh, be engaging with if they want to engage with you on the internet. Okay, so let me pull up my little phone here and find it. <laughs> I should have wrote it down. Uh, for my, um, like I said, I've stepped away from a lot of social media platforms. But I do use Instagram mm -hmm. for my um, to showcase my artwork, and it's Gloria underscore Swain underscore artist. Uh, so I will be using that uh, to showcase all of my art. Um, my Pentagon is um, Gloria C Swain, and I'm doing like I want to create. Um, an online art gallery that I'm setting up in my bedroom to show my work because uh, I don't know how long this um, virus uh, pandemic is going to like keep the uh, art galleries closed. So uh, I'm trying to find other ways to like get my art out there in the world. 
uh, and I want to create an art book. To, to, I want to, I'm doing an inventory for all of my art pieces, and I want to do like letter writings to connect each, each piece to my journey. The art book sounds absolutely incredible. I would love nothing more than to have the glorious Wayne art book in my home. I feel like this has been such a, a brilliant conversation, and I'm really excited that I get to put it out into the universe for the world to hear. Um, but I would also like to have it being ended, uh, Gloria, with your words and your wisdom. So here is an audience. What would you like to say to our community, our listeners, the, the world as a whole? Mm, what do I want to say? Um, I want people to like, uh, uh, I'm hoping that people, I don't, how do I word this? Um, share their share their stories because their experience i want people to like to feel safe uh, uh talking about their experience because um i know with me when i talk about especially with my art and my mental health and how art is uh healing and how my mental health is political i know i get a lot of responses like do you feel exposed it's like no i feel in control because i'm telling my story we have to tell our own story I do mine through different uh, creative outlets, uh, but I'm hoping that people listen to my story and and feel that it's and during time over time feel that it's okay to tell their story uh, and not to be afraid to um, speak the truth. I'm hoping that the world is uh, the people are more accepting of people who are different from them. Um, I'm hoping that people stop judging other people for, we all have a past. Um, I'm hoping people accept people for who they are, not where they come from or not what they did before. It's all about uh, accepting each other and not judging each other. Mm -hmm. so. Crip Times is presented as a part of the Wheels on the Ground podcast network. This podcast is produced by us and supported by Tangled Art Plus Disability and Bodies in Translation. If you enjoyed this interview, we release new episodes every Monday wherever good podcasts can be found.